Hello, this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Friday. It's Friday, Christian. It's Friday. May 15th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. It's important for us to keep sharing our experiences, our ideas, or our creativity. It lets us know. It helps us. It lets us know we're not alone. Email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo. You can do it right on your smartphone. And send it to us at producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, family, and colleagues. We want these stories to be heard, and we know that they are relatable beyond production. Share them. Christian, who do we have today? We have Andre Zachary, who is a friend of mine, full disclosure. He also, he's, he's a little bit of everything, this guy. <laughs> mm. New York-based choreographer who has his own dance company. And he also is a videographer. He teaches <laughs> dance. He just does it all. And he made this amazing video under quarantine times, a beautiful dance music video relating to what, what's happening right now. Yes, he was commissioned to do a piece as part of a larger project based on the conditions and um, what's going on right now with COVID-19. Yeah, it's on Vimeo. It's called Just Past and Beyond. You can search for it on Vimeo. We're going to put it in the show notes here, but we're going to be talking about that video and, and about his work and how this uh, crazy time has affected him. Mm-hmm. Live events, man. It's a uh, it's a rough rough blow. Oh right yeah, he's definitely pretty devastated. As everyone in the live events community is right now, um, performers right now are really suffering because there's yeah. uh, nowhere to perform really, except for their own homes and online. Yeah, Christian, we made it through another week. I know. I don't know how, but we did. Day by day. Day by day, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess it's right. a little overwhelming. So to think about it um, one day at a time is uh, very true, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? How are you hanging in there? I'm okay. Uh, it's um, been beautiful in New York this week, like just gorgeous. So getting outside more um, into the backyard, making it mm. uh, nice and getting all the winter out and moving it into spring. I have uh, tomatoes that I'm planting this weekend and lettuce and a few other things. So, yeah, nice. I'm looking forward That's to it. cool. I saw that Cuomo this morning is opening up some businesses soon. It sounds like it. And (laughs) in typical Cuomo fashion, it's like, this is for pickup. This is not to walk around and touch things and (laughs) and like browse. This is, you know, like, you know, essential pickup. (laughs) I just love him. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a similar kind of opening style to what's happening here in California. Like certain things for pickup. and I just imagine the two of them text all day long. (laughs) <laughs> Cuomo and Newsom are just like, track. hey guy, what's up? I don't know, what's up yeah. with you? Well, we're going to do this. It's mm, a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> that'd be a great anime if anybody's interested in doing that. <laughs> I could do a whole f- fan fantasy story about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, how are you doing today? I'm good. Looking forward to a weekend. It's funny how we have weekends because of this (laughs) podcast we do. Yes. Quite a time suck. Yes. Kind of, you know, just hanging out, enjoying the uh, 
the beautiful Los Angeles weather and seeing what new sites we can see or new places to explore socially distance, of course. Masked. Masked. I wonder, though, if we should talk about our schedule. Uh, yes, let's talk about it. Because, you know, we, we are getting some work things happening. Some remote uh, Some remote, things. safe mm-hmm. jobs that we are engaged in. So our schedule for the podcast may slow down a little bit. Mm-hmm. We may put on some of our original episodes. We've got I think like that's five a great original idea. episodes yeah. that we can put out there. I think that right now, like understanding what a good producer is, is valuable more than ever. Yeah, exactly. So we'll keep you posted. We definitely have another crew roundtable coming out on Monday, and we definitely have a couple interviews set up for next week. But we're just going to play it day by day and see what we can do and what we can't do and what we can keep putting out. We will keep you guys informed. We want to make sure we keep doing this as often as we can, uh, as long as, you know, the show doesn't suffer. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as we have valuable information to share, valuable things to chat about and discuss, we're going to keep doing this. Yeah. News wise, though, I think we have a few things that I see in your hopper right here. Um, I did (laughs) want (laughs) to I did want to mention too the urgent notice to members regarding safety offers and work from SAG-AFTRA. Yes, this seems like a big one. It's a huge Uh, one. It's really interesting. And it's really, it's got my head in a twist. I I talked about it with both Rebecca, the head of production at Missing Pieces. I spoke about it with Mercedes, head of production at uh, Mm -hmm. Hilo. I spoke about it with Josh, Uh you know, Lubitsky over at uh, Roger, owner, EP. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. So apparently you do have to check in with SAG. So basically what it's saying is, It's telling all the SAG members they cannot work on a job unless they call that job in Mm -hmm. to SAG, and SAG can confirm whether or not that is an approved COVID-19 safe job for them to work on. So they are evaluating every SAG job. Yeah. And letting their members know if they can, in fact, work on that job. And and they're going to evaluate the safety practices of that production company, of that set, And it says specifically in here, the employers and producers remain solely responsible for ensuring the health and safety of all members they employ. And no member shall sign any document releasing the employer from such responsibility. That makes total sense. I don't think anybody should waive that responsibility. But there it is, man in black and white. Producers remain solely responsible for ensuring the health and safety of all members. Safety, yes. And this health thing is is a new uncharted territories for all of us. Exactly. The way that you have the CPLF form in the DGA where you um, make mm. the DGA aware ahead of time that you have a member on. It sounds like SAG is requiring the same things of their members. And then some of SAG monitor reach out to you as the producer and find out, you know, what you're doing or what the job is before they can clear the actor. Yeah. And I understand that that means a lot for a union job. Mm-hmm. It may, you know, not hinder the the non-union work that's going on out there, but it does give a big pause, I think, to how quickly the TV and movie and large commercials are, you know, rapidly working towards opening up. Because I've absolutely spoke to a DP yesterday who is in the middle of filming mm. somewhere in California. 
I don't uh-huh. know where, and I didn't ask because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't feel like that was necessary for me to get the information. <laughs> but also, too, like, I reached out to a friend of mine in Austin, Texas, to see, you know, what it's going on there, because people just throw out ideas at you. Well, what about Texas? What about Florida? What about this? And so got something back from Austin or um, Texas in general that says, you know, phase one is, mm-hmm. you know, these essential businesses, boom, 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 boom. However, during phase one, no film permits will be issued. Oh. I know that in this business, we occasionally film without a permit. But I think that if that activity is viewed by a member of law enforcement, it would immediately be flagged because it's not an essential thing. Mm-hmm. And so being this bit, you know, doing the research and being the bearer of constantly saying no to ideas is an interesting position that I have put myself in right now. I know. Yeah. I think that's always, it's been the struggle more and more lately. As we all know, you know, we're not here to complain, but we, as we all know, the budgets have been shrinking over the past several years. Mm-hmm. Jobs have been getting harder and harder. Expectations are higher and higher. And we've been fighting those fights and saying, trying to navigate the no, the realities of what money can get you or, you know, and now there's this extra layer of health and safety. Well, safety has always been there. This extra layer of health that we have to watch out for and protect for. So it puts puts us in an even trickier position with, you know, agencies and clients on how do we provide services to them, but keeping our crew safe. It's um, It's a challenge. It's a big challenge and um, because it's it's providing information that they do not want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I also see that you sent me over something about the commercial production designers and art directors are circulating a document. Yeah. So they apparently about 100 commercial production designers and art directors mm-hmm. got together and put together a very succinct six point COVID-19 workflow. And it's a document. It's a PDF. I'll put the link in the show notes. It doesn't look like it's Googleable. Is that a word? Googleable? Google, uh, searchable. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's searchable because <laughs> it's a strange link, but I'll put it in there. But it does say a safety coordinator position should be developed to oversee the implementation of and adherence to safety practices as developed by state and local public health officials. So I think that's great. I really think that a safety coordinator needs to be a part of this whole process. Yes, because um, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a safety officer. You're not a pathologist? I'm not a, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, what? May, yes, I am. I didn't tell okay. anybody. <laughs> I left that life to do this. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. I got my degree in the mail. It it takes the burden of policing adults off of our shoulders and the burden of, you know, PAs wiping things down. (laughs) I know. And it gives it the proper weight or status that it should have because it is our safety. Yeah. It needs to be medically trained professionals. Exactly. Kind of running that portion of the job. Let's get on with our interview with Andre. Let's find out how this craziness is affecting his work as a choreographer and as an artist. But first, head to our Take Action page on our website. 
There's so much here. Donate blood, donate your laptop, save the post office, feed the freelancers. We have a link up now for the Feed the Freelancers website. If you know anybody who is food insecure right now, please pass them this site. It's an organization that can help. So Lawrence, the new unemployment numbers came out yesterday too, which I know is making, you know, just only nails home the fact that there are people out there who are, you know, food insecure. Right now, it's another 3 million people filed this week, bringing the total number to 36.5 million since mid-March, which represents 22.4% of the labor force. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, it's rough for a lot of people. So we are very fortunate that we are in a position where we can safely stay at home, have some food, and put out some content that hopefully helps people. Yes. So again, if you know anybody, please send them to Feed the Freelancers. It's very important. Yes. All right. Andre Zachary. As a technologist, Andre has collaborated with various artists through RPG, the design team of 3LD Art and Technology Center, and the Clever Agency. These works have included design installations, immersive media productions, film editing, and performance collaborations. Andre has worked on projects across multiple artistic mediums as a choreographer, media designer, and consultant with artists such as Cynthia Hopkins, Dance Caribbean Collective, Aaron Maya, Rags and Ribbon, The Clever Agency, Kendra Foster, and Spike Lee. He has been a panelist and presented his research at institutions such as Duke University, Brooklyn College, University of Virginia, and Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Zachary has taught at Brooklyn College and has been a guest faculty member at the dance programs of Florida State University, Virginia Commonwealth University, The Ohio State University, and University of California, Los Angeles. Man, this guy has a He's resume. He's been around, I have to tell you. So. And check out the video. It's honestly really, really moving, really impactful. It's called Just Past and Beyond. It's on Vimeo. You can search for it. We'll put a link in the show notes. Let's take a listen. Hello, Andre. Thank you so much for joining us today. Before we get really started, I'd love to check in on you and Candace. How are you guys doing? How's it going? Are you safe? Well, all of those things. Yeah, um, my wife and I, we're both safe. We're doing well. We're, we're in Brooklyn, New York. Mm-hmm. Things in the city are quite uh, hectic. I don't know if this adds any more drama to the conversation, but on our building WhatsApp group, um, sadly, this morning, one of our elderly neighbors uh, was found passed this morning. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And, How large uh, is your building? Uh, my building is on our side of the building is mm-hmm. about 28 units. Um, right. and, it, and it mirrors on the opposite side. Uh, I'm in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of apartments. I mean, some buildings have hundreds, right? So I'm sure you've seen, you see a lot of your neighbors all the time in the yeah, coming or going, right? We do. You know, and although, you know, this neighbor was an elderly man, in a way, kept to himself a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been checking in on our neighbors, and yeah, so you know, it, it's it's been it's it, these, these are very real circumstances. Yeah, absolutely, and it's great that you check in on your neighbors, and, and I, I think it's a really important thing for people to do, yeah. uh, especially in tight tight quarters like that. Uh, so, very sorry to hear about that. Yeah, thank you. Can you talk a little bit about? I mean, obviously, we know your background. We read your bio, and we introduced you, but can you give us a little background about what you were doing 
the few weeks before the pandemic took hold? Were you, did you have projects in the works? Did you have things canceling? What was going on in your world at that time? Yeah, so I had, I've had several projects uh, canceled and or rescheduled. I also teach at um, a high school in uh, New York City. So I had just returned from a major conference, uh, an arts and academic conference in North Carolina. And when I got back that month, that Monday, definitely the city was on edge. It was, it was like, what's going to happen? This was in mid-February. Uh-huh. By the beginning of March, two out of three of residencies that I was going to be teaching at, at the end, one at the end of March and then one in the middle of May, excuse me, also one in the middle of, uh, one at the end of April as well, contacted me and said that, you know, things are going to be on hold, but they're waiting to see. And then by that second week of March, I got the first cancellation uh, of the residency that I would have been teaching at at, um, Middlebury College in Vermont as a choreographer, then for a conference uh, in Boulder, Colorado, that was canceled. And then another teaching residency that I was going to be doing in May was canceled um, all, all in that second week of March. Wow. And then at the beginning of April, we got word that the summer festival that I would have been teaching at, at American Dance Festival in Durham, North Carolina right. was also canceled. Well, that's a lot of cancellations lot, for yeah. sure. And I think yeah. that that's when every festival was canceling, mm-hmm. right? And it was um, South by Southwest at that mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And yes, <laughs> Coachella. Yes, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah. But like the, those festivals were, so I can only imagine, especially with dance, it's so, um, you have to touch people. That's been, the, I think, the hardest reckoning, uh, the most right. difficult reckoning for the dance field. We need bodies in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And literally the shutting down of spaces, the, right. you know, uh, and then the, the limiting of bodies and spaces and like the physical distancing that has to happen now for safety measures. I mean, it's impacted the field at an immeasurable level. Um, you know, Broadway, of course, is closed. I, I believe, I, I think I Until heard September. last. Mm-hmm. I think September and then, 9th, I think. And then yeah. they're saying theaters wouldn't even really be prepped and ready to go. Yeah. And, and they're saying realistically, it wouldn't be until, you know, really January 2021. Right. So, yeah, I mean, our, our field is really kind of negotiating. It's, uh, we definitely know it's importance because, I mean, liveness is something like being there in the space, you know, I think people more than ever are really feeling not being able to just, you know, touch someone, like to, to see someone right. and just put, put, you know, your hand on their shoulder and just say, ah, you know, how are you? Um, and, you know, dance is such a visceral art form for that that just to see it again of someone is going to mean so much more. So when, and, and like the fight to make that happen again is something that our field is uh, really conscious about and is really putting forward so many efforts to just number one, ensure people are safe right now. And then number mm-hmm. two, that artists themselves and ourselves, uh, we understand that we make people understand how relevant we are. Yes, yeah, so we've spoken to the live community a lot on here, whether it be concerts or live performances or Broadway, like you said. I mean, everybody's hurting in that field because it's something that you physically leave your house and you gather with people and you go do. Right. And that's something that none of us are allowed to do right now. So it must be, you know, devastating to um, some people, you know, emotionally, physically, mentally, all the above. 
I know that you sent me a piece that you were commissioned for, and we'd like to talk about that a little bit, because in this time of mm-hmm. being confined to our houses, you've been able to create something that was so beautiful. Sorry. Yeah, it's a, it's a, oh. <laughs> it was so beautiful in a sense that um, you took what you had on hand and created something. Can you talk a little bit more about the commission, like being contacted and the whole nine yards? So first shout out to uh, Kate Ladenheim and Brendan Drake from the People Movers. They're beyond like a dance company. They're really this arts collective, Mm -hmm. this interdisciplinary arts collective, as so many of us are. And Kate and Brendan reached out to me because they were, they decided to create an online series called 19 Acts of Bravery in the face of COVID-19. They reached out to me specifically uh, because of my work that concentrates on Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. And uh, just in a long story, I mean, for me, it's, it's really taking Black culture and understanding its dynamics through uh, a digital landscape that reaches through past, present, and future, mm-hmm. and how that looks and feels, you know, again, on a visceral level with dance and media and technology uh, and film. Yes. And so mm-hmm. they contacted me about Asking me if I, number one, if I wanted to be a part of it, I said yes. And then they said, you know, we're looking at how artists, especially uh, dancers and choreographers, are responding to this time. I said, you know, sure, I'll do it. And then I think it's like the day I said yes, I believe Mono Dibango died, who mm-hmm. was the, wow. uh, you know, groundbreaking saxophonist mm-hmm. from Cameroon. Um, you know, so Makosa, you know, was his legendary <laughs> track, you know, which defined the hip hop, you know, yeah, hip hop yes. culture, mm-hmm. and then I believe two days later, Bill Withers died. Yeah, and oh. then I think Ellis Marcellus died, mm-hmm. the, mm-hmm. the patriarch of the that Marcellus was, family. Yeah, that all happened within like you know five to seven days of it. Yeah. It was crazy. less than a week. Yeah, and, it was really nuts. And for me, and so many other artists, especially Black artists, and that we evidently clear how this virus is really affecting the disparities of Black and Brown communities. We were so crushed. Because these legends in our field, I mean, yes, death is a part of life, but we were not able to really give them a proper send off. You know, what is a big part of black culture is is the homegoing service, um, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in New Orleans, like the second line. And, and like for us to really right. usher, you know, our elder or our loved one, whomever died into ancestry and, and the importance of that and not being able to have that moment is, is really that's a really emotional place that creates a really em- a void and emptiness. So I wanted to speak to that. And then of course it was the thing of location, you know, it's not like I can just go out on the streets <laughs> and just know. You know, start shooting and like, you know, fly my tripod down. so funny enough, like in the first week of, of quarantine, I pulled my stabilizer back out, my gimbal. And I was just like, I'm just going to start playing with this thing again. It was very serendipitous. And so I've been like really like fine tuning, like the balancing features, like how to understand how to do the follow focus mm. like really well. And like really getting a, a little bit better accustomed to, to handling it. And then sure enough, I got this call. And so location was one. I listened to the Quest Love, Bill Withers tribute, some recordings of Ellis and Manu Dibango. And then I thought, I'm like, okay, what's the meaning? What do I want to say? And it's just like, well, we can't touch people. And we can't literally get touched by our elders. And I was like, okay, well, then that's like grandma's hands from, from Bill, you know, that, that legendary tracks. So I knew I wanted to use that. And then I was just like, yeah, but then at the same time, I know like it has to be something like more current that like, boom, hits them hard. 
I was just like, oh, the Fuji's the mask. And I'm just like, everything about that song has like so many like double on ta- triple on yeah. especially. Like you could get into like W. E. B. Du Bois and double consciousness, like Paul Lawrence Dunbar's poem, The Mask. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, we gotta use that. And so bless up to uh, my amazing wife, who was an amazing artist and curator. She was in the middle of writing her thesis for her uh, master's. And so I was like, okay, I gotta write this concept down, have it like, you know, pin perfect tight. So like, okay, we're gonna do it on the fire escape. You know, I'm like that could be like a great place. I, I went out. It's there very New day. York. Yeah, I went. I went. Yeah, you know, I tested it one day. Like I was like uh, a couple of days. I'm like, okay, this could work. This location works. So, you know, and she's just like, what are you doing? Why are you in the fire escape? And I was like, don't worry about it. I'm testing. And so anyway, <laughs> I got the concept down. I wrote just like a small just treatment for myself. And I was just like, it's really more about the sound because I won't be. You know, I won't use any live sound. I know exactly where I kind of want to mix the sound in. I'm like, perfect. You know, Grandma's Hand is only about a two minute or three minutes uh, song even. And yeah, we shot it. Again, grateful to her. I disturbed her thesis. She got the thesis done. But, you know, we did it, we did it in about 30 <laughs> minutes on my balcony. It was actually kind of cold that day, too. So she was just like, <laughs> but she been through it. Um, and then I just, I came back literally we got done, came off the fire escape. I had a New York moment. My neighbor next door, he saw us. He was, just, instead of being, New Yorkers are amazing. And instead of being like, and probably in LA too, he wasn't like, what are you doing out there? He was like, oh, what type of camera is that? What model is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a Canon. He's like, oh yeah, I got to get one of those, man. Like, yeah, it's cool. And so it was like a perfectly normal. He's like, yeah, of course you're going to be on the fire escape shooting. Yeah, yeah, do it. Yeah, so, of course. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of came together. You know, um, I finished the editing I mean, this is probably like the fastest shoot ever at, you know, from <laughs> uh, production in the post in like, you know, four hours. Um, and I had something and that was that. I showed my wife. She gave me like a couple. She's my hardest producer. She, she you know, <laughs> Candace would give you a run for your money. Christian. Listen, I know. I know. Candace Thompson Zachary <laughs> is a producer. And so, you know, she was just like, mm, I don't like that. You need to color grade this. I'm just like, good God. Okay. We got it. Done. And, um, <laughs> What I loved about it is that, um, especially now that I've heard the story, the from beginning to end, from concept to, you know, scouting Mm -hmm. to, you know, the actual physical production to wardrobe, all of that, and then bringing it inside and editing, color grading, sound, all of that was you. All in house. (laughs) All in house. And so it's possible. And what we're trying to convey to people out there is, is that, you know, you're you're only limited by your, you know, creativity because in these times you have to use what you got. And, you know, that goes really back to just film school 101. Like, I mean, that's really just art school 101. And people saying, you know, if you, if if you don't have a good story, it doesn't matter, you know, how good your director is, your SFX team, you know, it's got to be a meaningful story and a narrative that, you know, in script that just, it grabs people right away. And, and it has to mean something to you, right. you know, trusting the people around you, trusting all that you yeah. have around you, trusting everything that even in your own domain of your apartment is enough. Yeah. We've often said that, you know, our worlds have gotten very, very small mm-hmm. really quickly, right? You know, all of a sudden your life becomes this and your priorities have shifted mm-hmm. throughout all this. So did you notice while you were creating this work, your style of choreography, was it coming out differently? Was it responding to this? Because it, it is a very small performance, but so powerful and so emotional. How did you find that 
voice coming through you? Well, I knew um, when I went out to the balcony the first time and I just, the idea of the hands coming into the camera, I was just like, mm-hmm. I know what I want to do. And this is also where, you know, we as artists have to do our homework and like, you know, be inspired by other artists as well. You know, shout out to yeah. one of my mentors, Gabri Krista, who is a, a, a filmmaker and choreographer currently on faculty at Barnard. She immediately recurated her screen dance festival online. And so, you know, I took the whole weekend and just watched the Screen Dance Festival as well. I signed it to my students. I don't know if they watched it. Like, just by osmosis, you're going to get influenced by seeing what people are doing. And so I was just like, no, like, oh, wow, that image of these hands, you know, coming into the frame. Mm -hmm. And, like, thinking about those dynamics of choreography, as you're saying, now, like, getting down to that tiniest detail within our body. And so that's where, you know, Bill has already given us the story. Great. Thank you. Yeah. I just need to now just take that and just and capture that essence. And so in directing that to Candace, you know, explaining that and she's like, okay, boom, I got you. And of course, like the trust of who you're working with and your team around you. So of she course. understood it well. Yeah. And then I was able to you know, really guide it. I mean, I only really choreographed like the hands part and only the beginning. And then after that, I was just like, you know, respond how you know, know how to respond. And that, and I think that's another part about it is like really trusting again, beyond the things, but the people around you. And if your directions are clear enough, it, it's kind of like a relay. They can take it and just go somewhere. And then for for us, it's really just, you know, be in the moment and capture it. Yeah. Do you see your style or your artistic voice being permanently changed after this event? No, my voice will remain the same. I think my expectations will have to shift. Uh, and that's just realistic. What you saw in that film is that that's me. You know, and and that that's Mm -hmm. the voice that has been, I I believe, a through line in my work. I think what I'm going to I want to shift away from that is, is of course, I would love to work with a larger production value. I just Mm -hmm. I know I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe right now it's not going to come. And you know what? That's okay. But I think the expectation of begin to work a little bit more still with what you have and what's around you and just keep building that storytelling mechanism even uh, tighter and richer. So that voice is still the same and using it even more preciously. But I think the expectations of it, you know, reaching, you know, like Sony studio level and like Culver City. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not yet, you well, know. Not yet, not for a while. I know that you also teach and work the circuits, as I say. <laughs> but in expanding past your creativity or change you, will this change the way that you approach and t- your teaching or your choreography moving forward? When you teach on the technique side, no, mm-hmm. because right. that, I mean, just learning how to like use right. one's body, mm-hmm. whatever the architecture of your body is to honor that. That's just something that's, you know, right. kind of like even when you and I have trained, it's just like getting the best out of what you can do for choreography is hard because one of the things with dance film and filming dance proximity you know dancers are used to like being wide on stage and one thing i learned Mm -hmm. i was like whoa if you're out of frame i'm like you're out of frame i'm like what's interesting about dance film is really Mm -hmm. playing with that depth of field and really playing with those like uh sharp and shallow focuses and like how you like rack and that's that's really where dance film comes in and so i think that that's where in teaching choreography i'm going to be a little bit more uh, articulate about how dancers really understand perspective and depth of field and what that means right. and space in a different way. I would say also what hasn't changed for me 
is how the body relates to the architecture around it. It's funny you asked me about choreography. I hate when dancers choreograph with chairs. I hate chair, I hate chair dances. <laughs> and I will go on the record and say that. Flash dance? Uh, Come on. Well, you, but you know what? But flash, okay, no, I don't nope. hate flash dance. Because it was used well. The chair was right. used well. It was just very But well. after that, the use of the chair is like, oh. The Chicago. choreographer. So yeah, Chicago is completely out. Oh. Well, oh. well, okay, oh. here's, here's, the, here's the choreographer that I said use chairs well. So Fosse Glimpere in Chicago, yes. Uh, Flashdance, yes. Um, this choreographer, <laughs> late choreographer Ulysses Dove and his mm-hmm. piece Vespers with on Alvin Ailey and, and uh, Dayton Contemporary Dance Company with chairs. Phenomenal, beautiful, yes. Pina Bausch, Tanzim House, mm-hmm. and I think uh, Cafe Mueller with the chairs. Fantastic. And in Cafe Mueller, they hardly ever even sat on the chair. Like the chairs like, thrown around and all this other stuff. <laughs> and I guess it's kind of like, we use chairs every day in our lives. Like mm-hmm. they don't really have meat. And so my thing is when we choreograph, like what is really the story behind you and this object? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these headphones on my head, you know, I mean like the, like headphones and me, it's like, you know, I could be like invoking grandmaster flash. So it's just like, dang, we're getting really feeling like the power and like accentuating like everything about what, you know, this is because mm-hmm. there's a story there and it's just like, yeah. And, but I have to know what that is and convey it. It can't just be like, Oh yeah, you yeah, cool. But I think that's my thing is I could say in a very, like I'm reaching here, but I remember watching the film Mo Better Blues with Spike Lee. Right. <laughs> and I remember in, in that party scene in like Bleak's apartment, they all had like these Mason jars. Like they didn't have mm-hmm. like real jars. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. I, you know, I'm young. Right. I'm like, right. Cause that's what like, cool, you know, like, hip artists do in Brooklyn. So when I get to Brooklyn, I'm not going to buy jars. I'm just going to like reuse my You know what I mean? But it's just kind of like in a way, but I think that's again, like even in that smallest detail of like Spike working with the art director, like that got captured. You know what I mean? And like for the yeah. mundane eye, it, it might not make a difference, but for you and I, for the three of us that work in these, in these fields, I think especially sometimes in dance, one of the things I notice about film is just how specific each and every one of those details are and how like the props and art has to work with the continuity. Cause it's like, ah, they didn't put that glass there. They put that glass on their right side. So at that next cut, Mm -hmm. the glass needs needs to be on the right side. And just like how amazing that is. And, and I feel like in dance now that we ironically have more time and we can't like go big. It's just like, yeah, well, why did you put this glass on this right side rather than this left side? Or why is this chair here? Like this was this rocking chair, like reminiscent of some elder in your family who sat there. And now it's emptiness is something that you're just like, I want to keep that there until I feel I'm earned. You know what I mean? Not just like right. I'm going to choreograph in a chair and like, cause then it's just like <laughs> a remake of flash dance. It's right. it pretty bad. <laughs> no, I mean the meaning that everything has now or the meaning that it could have is important and being smaller, like you said, like just within our own, you know, circle of items. Cause that's what we have right now. You have to use what you have. Um, we don't have the luxury of getting what, we necessarily want right now what would you like to see us learn as an industry or society coming out of this there were things before 
And I do really strongly feel like um, a light has been shown on disparities. And what we can do as humans moving forward to create a better society. I know it's a little whimsical and uh, maybe no, a little not. euphoric. You know, I, I think after this, there's going to be not a lot of time wasted. How are people relating to each other? So, I, you know, it's going to be a little bit more like, I don't know, like, I, I feel like maybe the stories are going to change of like, this person did it on their own. It's just like, no, this, we all had to like make sacrifices and do it together. And mm -hmm. whose narrative actually really needs to be in this that maybe before was, you know, often ignored or glazed over. And it's just kind of like, actually, they're kind of crucial to helping you navigate along, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, on your daily basis that, as you were saying, it might not have seemed as interesting before, but it's just like, no, it's actually quite interesting. That just gave me goosebumps. Really? It did. It gave me goosebumps because, you know, as independent people, you know, especially producers and such and freelancers, you know, we're used to making it and being alone and on our own a lot. Yeah. And I can't do it by myself now. I know that. And I shouldn't mm -hmm. even try to attempt. And like in collaborating and wanting to be with people is something I I may not have admitted before because, you know, as a producer, you're supposed to be strong and you can do everything on your own, but I can't mm -hmm. and I don't want to. So, yeah, you gave me goosebumps. Damn it. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. I mean, and I, I kind of, again, I got to, I got to kind of shout out my wife. You know, she's from Trinidad and mm -hmm. Tobago. And so a lot of her thesis was on understanding and really bringing forward just the Caribbean itself in a contemporary lens, because often mm -hmm. the Caribbean is kind of, time capsule that's the best way i can say it and no the caribbean literally lives in the 21st century right. <laughs> you know? and yeah. so um but at the same time there are these very timeless traditions that do bind people christian you know you're from the south as well and so it's like this idea of like the south and it's just like no the traditions that just bind people um those are examples of how dependency doesn't really have to look like a weakness because these traditions actually give people and their lives meaning beyond, right. of course, like acknowledging, you know, one's individual's accomplishments. So I, I guess in creating the work moving forward, because I think what's happening now, people are also asking like, hey, what are what are the stories that people actually went through? You know, people are talking about like this 1918 pandemic and people are just like, well, how did people survive? And, you know, I'm sure maybe slowly stories are starting to come out. And understanding and it's being like well this was happening there so like let's really look at what was happening you know post world war one and being like okay well then did this have to happen and then like looking at kind of like those effects and I, I do think that those are gonna maybe start to emerge again of just like informing people of just like well what actually brought people together how did people coalesce protect themselves find a way right. and we have to think you know they had even less resources and technological capabilities than we do today which is mm -hmm. you know like amazing and yeah. just like mm -hmm. wow. absolutely um and so <laughs> the, the convenience of going to a store for things wasn't really yeah i oh know ice yeah what was that yeah Forget <laughs> it. you know i mean so i think a lot more stories like that are, are going to kind of emerge what's very clear now is the heroes are no. not going to come from the top down bottom up <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely I think, not. I think that that's very evident <laughs> and almost like extremely ironic of especially like yeah. the last, you know, 
since let's say like the eighties of like cinema. Mm-hmm. Like, and so I think like this is definitely going to usher in another dynamic of understanding just value and you know what I mean? Because it's, it's going to be, cl- yeah. Cause it's going to be clear. It's like, well, actually this elected official was not looking out for me. And this, you know, collective of people actually was. So it's just like, no, their story needs to be heard. That's actually going to like shift as much as we, I think we're going through this hard time. Now, I do feel like that is going to emerge of just mm-hmm. like, well, no, like, who were the people like looking out and, and, yeah. and trying to galvanize them and ensure that their loved ones were okay? So let's that's just the hope, hope we need. That's, I that's hope the so. hope we need. Exactly. I hope so. Andre, thank you so much for spending some time chatting with us today. This has been really uplifting. <laughs> yeah, well, thank I really you. Appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank Before you. you go, I want to ask you, what do you miss? What do you miss during all this? You know, I'm I'm going to miss the vibrancy of New York. You know, for those of us that lived here or visited, mm-hmm. to bring that back is probably going to take a while. Feels pretty hesitant here right now, for Man. sure. And for those, like the immediacy of what New York kind of was as a city, and that, that's the, that's mm-hmm. even the scary part. We don't want to kind of say was like it is, and it's like no, it's actually not. Mm. It's just you know we can't just go to you know celebrate Brooklyn or you know um, you know Central Park Summer Stage just and crowd in anymore like that's just not going to be able to happen i mean and so that sense of just that vibrant sea of new york mm-hmm. that energy is is, is not going to be there and so i'm going to miss that yeah yeah i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss yeah. that electricity yeah it's uh it's definitely gone right now but hopefully someday we'll be able to experience it again and it's up to us to bring it back oh yeah it's through art and you know yeah creating a true community I truly believe that. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Andre. Thank you so much. Thank you both. Take care wherever you guys are and be safe. We'll talk soon. Yeah, you too. Stay stay strong. Thank you. I've known Andre Zachary for a while now. I've met him, I think it's been a solid 10 years. And um, anytime I need help or a choreographer or, you know, on Mm -hmm. a film or, um, commercial whatever he's my first because not only is he thinking about movement and creativity and space Mm -hmm, he's also mm -hmm. thinking about the best way to work with an individual to get you know as he mentioned to get the best out of them while also speaking to the director to understand what they want he's just a collaborative you know human who understands movement and the mental capacity of somebody to to create the movement and what it takes yeah. to get them to. So he's very special, as you could as you could tell. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, mm-hmm. man. Bodies in space. Yeah, bodies in space, and then our bottom up theme, which it, yeah. it's just it's. I really do think there's a movement out there for understanding that we right now are relying on ourselves to get through this. Exactly. Leadership is exactly. lacking, not all, all Leadership everywhere. Leadership is lacking, mm-hmm. but in important places, it feels like it's lacking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah. so um, we're going to get ourselves through this with the help of ourselves and each other. Yeah. Ah, Andre, thank you so much. That was great. Yeah. <laughs> so this show was edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo design by Christopher Daniels. And our music was composed by Kyle Puccia. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We're off for the weekend. We're back on Monday. Until then, stay safe, stay connected, 
Stay active, but keep doing it. Staying at home. Clean your phone. Take it out right now. Go get some alcohol. Clean that little sucker up because you know it's gross. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. And if you go outside, please wear a mask. It will protect you and others. Yeah. And here in LA, they clarified the mask ordinance. They are saying it is important when you go outside and you're around other people, wear that mask. And send us your voice recordings and your emails. We love hearing from you guys. Producershappyhour at gmail.com. Especially if you want to be a part of a cruise roundtable. Yeah. Yeah, let us know. We're still still doing them. Exactly. To hear your voices. Lawrence, how do people reach you directly? They get me at lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how about you? Sisterchristianproduces.com. See you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.